Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to the Land of Six, episode two. We're gonna talk about a bunch of exciting things today, starting off with Lamar Jackson's value. We're gonna go through and talk about the loaded AFC and focus on the AFC West a little bit. We're gonna do a little draft recap. It'll be part one of eight. We're gonna start with the NFC East. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about fantasy football rankings for tight ends. We're going to get into AB's music career, a little Aaron Rodgers. And uh, let's just get into it. Let's get going because we got that plus more. Let's go. So, everybody's waiting on the day whenever Lamar Jackson signs this massive deal, right? I don't know. Will it be with the Ravens? Will it be with somebody else? But, you know, even before he was drafted, everybody coming out of college didn't know if what he would do would work in the NFL because there's only really been a couple superstars that can run the way that he can. And, of course, everybody knows Mike Vick. Monster, right? But as he developed into his career, he really kind of became wanted to be known for a pocket passer. Um so that was it's been kind of one of those things where as times went on what is Lamar Jackson's value right because up to this point right now Lamar Jackson already has an MVP and we love I mean still to this day I can just put on some Lamar Jackson highlights and just sit and watch it for a while like just crazy juking people out of their shoes the cuts the spin moves like even like putting the shit in like in in order like hitting one person then getting the next person getting the next person and taking it all away you know it's it's crazy because you know you don't really know what you got till it's gone kind of thing like do do you realize that last season with Lamar Jackson, they were set to make a run for the title? Like, they had everything going for them. Yeah, they got a bunch of bites from the injury bug. They were, you know, they were hit pretty hard, even in training camp. Like, they were they were signing running backs off the street. Like, it was like they were putting up signs like, hey, you want to play running back? You want to play running back? So, I mean, I don't, as of right now, I don't know what kind of money Lamar Jackson, like what, you know, can he stay healthy for a full season? That injury at the end of the year last year really hit him hard. Um, Probably one of the biggest injuries of anybody of the season um, because somebody that's going for a huge contract, it's really hard to try to go ask for huge money whenever you get hurt and miss the final games of the year. Um, You know, especially when your biggest thing is your mobility and you take an ankle injury and you can't do what you need to do um that makes it kind of tough so whenever you talk about his value um i'm not really sure because when you look at it who has the weapons been they've they said marquise brown and and mark andrews you know like i don't i don't really know if it's something where he's had the weapons he's really needed to succeed and last year being, I really wanted to see him and Dobbins play together so bad, and I can't wait for this season. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, if you've seen any of those posts, he's really beefed up. Really beefed up. So I've seen a bunch of comments, people talking about, oh, okay, so now, you know, he's actually preparing to be the running back. You know, he's, he's 
putting the pounds on because he knows he's going to be the running back? I don't think so. I really do think that um, Lamar is set to have his best year. And he may not even win the MVP, which is kind of crazy. But I really do think that he's poised to have his best year of his career, at least from um, a complete totality standpoint. Because when you look at just in general having all those weapons that were hurt last year coming back, everybody's, you know, not, they're not new anymore. Everybody's starting to, you know, gel together. Harbaugh, um, you know, you got Andrews, you got Dobbins coming back, you got, you know, all these people um, sinking together. And that's what I'm really excited for and I can't wait to see. Uh, Bateman, is he going to take a rise up? Like, I, I want to see... When Lamar Jackson's feet are to the fire, you know, one and three in the playoffs aren't going to cut it. So kind of like you heard me talk about last episode on Kyler Murray on, you know, I want to see something in December and January, man. The same thing is going to apply here. Like, dude, during the season, you are a monster. Like, dude is goaded, like a season goaded player, you know. Um, but kind of the same thing that happened with Vic was when it came time for the playoffs, it was almost like that, uh, the top, top defenses are going to the playoffs. And when you go and face those guys, it's like the, your shake ability or whatever you want to call it, your quickness, your cuts, your, those guys don't fall for a lot of that shit. And if you get one, the next guy's going to rock you. And so that's where it's like, what? You know, we've seen it. That There was that one playoff game. He's 1-3 in the playoffs. I think it was against the Titans, uh, the, the Titans playoff game that he lost, where there was several fourth down tries that he got stopped into short several times in a row. And, like, how many times are you going to be going for it on fourth down and not get it? Like, there's got to be a better game plan. Like, they knew that's what you were doing. Like, that would have been the perfect time for a fake. I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not Lamar. I'm not the Ravens. I'm not the coach. But whenever you look at somebody's value, dude's young. He can throw. Um, sure, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but that's not his strong suit. Like everybody's got their own little thing that makes them special and unique. Dude's got a little bit of everything, but his quickness and his speed and his ability to kind of read the play. Dude's like a running back mixed with a quarterback. He's the be- the closest thing we've seen since Mike Vick to Mike Vick. And I want to see him succeed. And I, I really, if he's available in the first, second round, whenever I, you know, first round, if he's still available, I want to take him. Because I feel like out of all the people in the hot seat, you know, I'm talking about Tua, um, talking about some of these coaches, you know, talking about some of these players, people in hot seats, like uh, Dallas Cowboys coach, um, whenever you're talking about, um, you know, some of these different people in their situations, like this could be the last year for Lamar Jackson as a Raven. And he's got a lot on the line. If he wants to get the bag, if he wants to get the money, he's got to put it together now. And they traded his favorite weapon, Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals in the post that he put on Twitter. Uh, he was obviously not happy about it and he obviously didn't know. Um, so they're really putting a lot on his shoulders. And I don't know if this is like the, the GM's way of saying, um, you know, Hey, this is, this is a do or die year for you type of a thing. Like we know what kind of offense we are. You're not really using receivers, right? Let's get what we can out of them. 
Um, I'm not sure. I don't really know. But whenever you look at his value, I damn sure know that he's more valuable than Kyler Murray. Especially to the Ravens. Um, I, I would take Lamar Jackson on my team over Kyler Murray every day of the week. And I'm a Boomer Sooner fan. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with Kyler Murray. It's just Lamar Jackson's an MVP, and he's just his skill level with the ball on the run is just on point. I really, I honestly think him and him and Kyler have about the same deep ball. So, I mean, when you're looking at it, like I would take whenever you're looking at Kyler Murray's 230 million, that puts Lamar Jackson somewhere at least 250. Like you, like you better come with at least 240, 250. And I don't, I don't care what if you're looking at a gear um, standpoint, like. Um, if you don't have a good quarterback in the NFL, you don't have nothing. Legit, hands down, the most important position. You can build all the pieces around it. If you don't have a good quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, you don't have nothing. And like the only example that I can even remember off the top of my head of a team winning without a top 10 quarterback is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they won with Trent Dilfer. And I, I just... I don't see it happening. Like, be, just the, by the way that the rules have changed, by the way that the game is going, and it's such a passing league, if you don't have a top 10 quarterback, you, I, I just don't see how you can win a title. Your run game and your defense would have to be so on point. And, you know, whenever you look at the Niners, they tried it, and they just, when push comes to shove, the game's on the line. If you got that quarterback that's going to sit back and just fucking get shaky and get scared... The defense is going to destroy them. And that's like, you know, when you're talking NFC Championship game quality, AFC Championship quality quarterbacks and defenses, that's the final four teams. That's the best of the best of the best. And I really do feel like Lamar Jackson is in that caliber. Like, he's a top 10 guy any way that you cut it. So I don't know how much the value, what, because cap room is still cap room, but. If they don't pay him, the Ravens will regret it. They will 100% look back on it and regret it. Because there's no way in the world that you don't pay him. Because if he goes to some place like Tampa Bay, place with all those great receivers that are surrounded by all those weapons, the running back core they got, or I don't know, you, you take him and put him on Kansas City level talent on offense, and you don't, I, I guarantee you, you're going to see lots of things happen like you just you wouldn't want to see somebody that young walk away like you you would definitely regret it you gotta pay him you have to moving on to uh the AFC because the AFC's loaded you know whenever you talk about Matt Ryan going to Indy you talk about Russell Wilson going to Denver you just I mean we'll talk about the AFC West in a second but you got four potential Pro Bowl quarterbacks all playing in the same division um, but whenever you just look hands down, you know, from the Bills, the Chiefs, um, you go and look at Denver with their top five defense and add Russell Wilson to the core of that rookie, you know, those young core talents on, on offense. And you look at Herbert and you look at Burrow. And, and I mean, it's just like, literally you look at the entire thing. It's like, there's going to be. You know, and, and I could talk about the Sean Watson, the Browns, but I'm not going to. Um, 
you look at that entire division, literally, there's only a few teams that you're like, wow, they need a lot of work. Um, there's going to be about four to six, seven, eight quality teams left out of the playoffs this year. Um, and, you know, you're looking at the NFC. There's three, four really good teams. And then after that, like, there's going to be a bunch of, like, middle-of-the-road teams. You may even see a losing record team make it in in the NFC this year just because of the strength of the AFC. Like, it, I don't know if it's just, like, now, like, if they need to switch it up a little bit in the, the way that they do the playoffs or just keep it the same and it just is what it is. But the AFC is going to be brutal this year. And, you know, especially if some of these younger teams like the Jets and Sala take a big leap, like the Jaguars take a big leap. I've heard Indianapolis is trying to trade for Debo. You see a couple more trades happen and say Jimmy G goes to a team. Um, I don't know. Texans seem to be happy with Mills. But, you know, you see Jimmy G go to a contending team in the AFC. Maybe the Browns, if the Browns lose Watson for the year, just things like that. They could get even tougher. So, how in the, like, just how in the world, like, I don't know how some of these players made the decision to keep going to the AFC, but it's like, as these dominoes started falling, it's like, everybody left the NFC, it seemed like, and there was even posts of players like, wow, AFC, you know, NFC is looking, looking like butter right now. And it's true, it is. Like, even Devontae Adams went from the Packers to the Raiders. Like, the Raiders are loaded. Like, this is... It's amazing going to be watching these AFC teams literally fist fight it out. Because at some point, talent is not going to win you games anymore. Like, you're not going to have that, like, you know, they're so talented that it's like one weapon, two weapons is not going to get it done. They're going to, it's going to take a lot of heart and grit. Who's going to be the toughest? And that's why, like, you know, teams like the Bills that dropped a lot of easy games, it, it may be crazy, but, you know, you lose three, four easy games this year, you may not make the playoffs. It just is what it is. Um, so I'm really excited. Like I cannot wait for this season to come across and watch some of these AFC juggernauts slug it out. Um, but I don't remember ever in my entire time watching football since I was five years old, I've never remembered one division being so super heavy favorited over another like sure there's been a couple years where there's a couple teams from the same division that are like dominating Super Bowl favorites like there was the you know a couple years where the Colts and the Patriots you know back in Peyton Manning and the you know the Tom Brady days of the Patriots were you know and even the Steelers back when you know Roethlisberger was younger that kind of thing with Heinz Ward and the bus some of those things where it's like you know yeah there's maybe been like out of the top five teams, the best rated teams, maybe three or four of them have been from one division, you know, or like the Rams and the Niners, you know, back in the day being, you know, just certain things where it's like, you know, greatest show on turf and like, you know, there's, there's been squads, but out of the top 10 teams, probably eight of them, nine of them are NF are AFC teams. Like it's, legit insane and I, I don't know how what or why this all came together but 
I'm excited to see it, and I can't wait to see him put the boxing gloves on and watch him literally fist fight this thing out. Um, and really, honestly, the referees, and I, I'm not one to really complain about referees and officiating, but honestly, the referees may be a big difference because you get a couple bad calls, and that may till the game. Like, literally, you get you know a couple holding calls, a couple pass interference calls, and then that team scores on you. You, you got to be clean. I think that's going to be the one thing, and, and we'll see. We'll look at it out of the at the end of the year. We'll look at the AFC teams that make the playoffs will probably be the ones that are the least penalized teams. So in training camp and in preseason, I guarantee you the ones that come through are going to be the best coached teams. That's going to be the X factor this season for the AFC teams. We'll see. But that's why, like, you know, even though I've been talking about um, the Denver Broncos winning their division and, you know, some of their things that honestly may end up being the Chiefs just based on the fact their coaching staff, um, you know, is just the top, uh, top notch. Andy Reid is just, you know, when it comes to coaching, he's just hands down a top five. And so it's like coaching this year may be one of, honestly, the most important pieces of the puzzle for all of these AFC slugfests, and we'll end up seeing. Speaking of the AFC West, literally no other division that I can ever think of that I can say, wow, there are four playoff quality um, Super Bowl contending teams in one division. But when you look at the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers, literally all have Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks. They all have decent... um, Coaches, I think the one that is probably in the biggest situation of, uh, and we watched the Chargers miss the playoffs because of bonehead call by a head coach. So I feel like the Chargers at the are putting them at the bottom of that division at the end of the year. And I hope Herbert and the Chargers showed me wrong because they just it seems like they just lose close games. And that really, whenever you look at it, is not really the talent. It's not really anything other than the game plan and coaching and the situations that the coaching staff puts them in. Um, it may be their head coach's last year of coaching the Chargers. Because if he does not get it done this year, I see him being fired. And I, he's on the hot seat just as much as the Raiders coach because it's his third go-around. Um, he'll end up back on uh, Bilicek's coaching staff. We'll see. Um, but the AFC West is actually... Like, I'm not a huge Chiefs fan. I live in Missouri, but I may go to, I may buy season tickets or go to as many games as I can just to watch these AFC slugfests. Like, hands down, if these games are not good, I will be very surprised. It's going to be one of those years where you're just got Titans matched up against each other. And who's going to be the last man standing? And I don't think it's going to be just like last year, the Chiefs started out kind of weak. I don't think it's going to be something that's won at the beginning of the year. It's going to be something of who is going to be still swinging as hard as they were in September and December and January. Because it's a long season. And whenever you start getting nicked up and you start, maybe you lose a couple close games. Are you still going to be swinging and punching and fighting as hard as you were at the beginning of the year at the end? That may be the, it's like an Ironman race. Who's... Who's still going to keep fighting? And so the AFC West, I still i am hedging my bets on Denver just because of that defense. And with the, just the, um, you know, whenever you, everybody, the talk on Baker Mayfield is his childishness. 
Russell Wilson is like the exact opposite. He is like the antithesis of saying the right things, doing the right things, being the right places, you know, like there for a long time, it was just all about go Hawks, you know, like that was his thing that he would all like, he legit is just from beginning to end, from the way that he does it, he is just that guy that you know is modeling consistency. Um, so let's go on ahead. I'm going to kind of slow this down a little bit and talk about Aaron Rodgers and showing up at training camp. Uh, I saw a picture of him showing up, uh, carrying a bag. I don't, I don't know what the the deal was with the bag, but he kind of like tossed it in front of his car and kept walking. I don't know, but there was a picture of him next to Nicholas Cage and (laughs) how Nicholas Cage was dressed in Con Air and they look like twins. They literally look like Aaron Rodgers showed up to train camp literally trying to dress up for Halloween like Nicolas Cage and Con Air. Like, what? Like, I just, I can't stand this guy. Like, you know, he's talking about retiring every season for, like, the last four years. Like, just go away. Like, I don't know. It's like, he just thinks he's he's so smug. Just like he's better than everybody. Like, I don't know. I just don't like that personality. Like, I don't care if you're Bill Gates. I don't care if you're the smartest person in the world. I don't care if it, who you are, money, smart. Like, it, it don't matter. Just that personality, just, it sucks. Like, it, it legit, it would suck. Like, that's why you lost your best receiver. You, you had to have all the money. You had to have all the respect. You had to have all the attention. You had to, like, like just lies and, like, just like I'm I'm vaccinated, but really I'm just immunized. Like shut the hell up! Just I, I don't know. Like I I can't stand him. I'm every time he loses in the playoffs, I it's literally like hands down. It it's like the best moment of the playoffs for me every year. Like and I I don't dislike people. I just. There for a long time, I was really upset that we didn't take him. And whenever he made that statement after the Niners didn't take him, he's like, yeah, I'm going to make them regret not taking me. Uh, Like, just shut the hell up and do your job. And like, I don't know, try to be a better teammate. Like, you just, he just, I don't know. He's always just rubbed me the wrong way in every single way possible. Like, I don't know. I'm like... I don't know if I want to play football or not. I just I I'm gonna go play host Jeopardy and like. Bye. All right. Next subject. I'm done talking about Aaron Rodgers, and I probably won't put him on my podcast or talk about him again. Literally the whole season. I'm. I, I purposely skip the Packers talking about a lot of things. I, I'm done talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm over it. So. Let's go a little. I'm going to jump back into the AFC West just for a second because um, the Tyree Kill trade really shook me. Um, it really. I never thought it would happen. Um, Tyree Kill was my son's favorite player. Um, it really kind of devastated him a little bit. Um, there was something that I kind of paid attention to in that Cincy game because the Chiefs were way up and it didn't look like there was any way in the playoff game that the Bengals were going to come back. But there was a moment at the end of the second half whenever they should have put up one more touchdown. That would have ended the game. And if you look back on it, there's just some sort of like, it seemed like they were kind of attacking each other in the huddle and they never kind of came back from it. It was like, 
you're not throwing me the ball. Like, everybody was fighting for who was going to get the passes. Like, you know, I'm, I am was open. No, I was open kind of thing. Like, you, you weren't throwing it to me. You were throwing it to him. But I, he was, I was more open than him. And then, like, it just kind of seemed like they were fighting over everything there towards the end of the game. Like, they wanted the spotlight, not the victory. And um, in the end, whenever it ended up being something where – they ended up getting rid of Tyreek. I was very surprised because I thought he was like the piece of the puzzle that they're like, we could get rid of this whole fucking core. We could get rid of literally wide receiver from two to six and they can go, but we're keeping Tyreek. If this is like some sort of like chemistry issue, all y'all motherfuckers can go, but Tyreek, we're keeping him. Because it's just like, he's a once in a generation player. Like you're never going to see another Tyreek for a, like, I just, I don't know. If, like it's crazy. The, different attributes he's got put together so I just I really didn't see them getting rid of him I didn't and like when you look at the Mahomes Tyreek combo they were perfect fit it was like peanut butter and jelly or any other analogy that you want to put together it was like a match made for each other and like who was more important to the thing? It's like, well, I don't know. They just went together. Like, who, like who's going to miss each other more, though? Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure because I feel like they're both going to miss each other a lot. But I do feel like Tyreek is going to miss Patrick Mahomes a little bit more because Tua being accurate, yeah, that's fine. And I'm going for Tua. I heard on the last episode, if you followed that, you, I broke down some different stats on you know, him having success despite a lot of the, the, just the things that the entire Dolphins team was missing on offense. He still kind of had success and, you know, I, I still see him on the right track to make it, but he had the, one of the lowest, like, I think he ranks like 29 out of 30, 29 out of 32, um, people that they rated on the, as the starters, like the lowest attempts downfield. Mahomes is like he could literally throw it a hundred yards on point, and like that's the thing is like I don't know if like Tyreek's gonna have to do a lot more of like getting open and doing like jet sweeps and things like that to get the ball and show his speed. I don't know if Tua can hit him deep the way I I know Tua can't hit him deep the way that Mahomes can, and that's the thing is like. Mahomes is still going to be able to launch the ball like that. And there's going to be times whenever Smith-Schuster's open, whenever Kelsey's open, he's still going to hit those guys on point. And, like, it just, it sucks. The whole situation kind of fell apart the way that it did. Um, But I wish both of them success. I just, honestly, if I'm being real about the situation, it's going to be really, really fucking weird watching the Chiefs this year without Cheetah out there. Like, it's going to be really strange. And, like, the one thing that I really wish Cheetah didn't do is that peace sign thing because he, like, rubs it in defenders' faces, and it actually, like, motivated them. They were the reason why Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl because at that moment, whenever he was doing those backflips and all those touchdowns and uh, whenever he hit Antoine Winfield Jr. with the peace sign and then he got him with the peace sign in the Super Bowl, uh, he literally, from the moment that the Chiefs whooped them at the first half, they there was something that they sparked the thing that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers needed. Like, he, they beat them and humiliated them to the point where they snapped. And from then on, they were fucking, like, unbeatable. 
And so, like, I just, I really wish Tyreek didn't have that, like, like, yeah, I know he's amazing, but I just wish he didn't take the showmanship to the point of, like, rubbing it in the defenders' faces because defenders, like, can't wait to have that moment to hit him across the middle or to, like, rub it back in his face or hit him with a, like, I just, I wish that that was a little bit held back. Like, just act like you've been there before was the thing that my coach used to always say. Like, just, I don't, I don't know. It's like these days it's almost more of, like, they want to try to show stop and they want to try to be in the spotlight. And that's what I feel like inevitably led to him leaving the Chiefs was that is like, he had to have so much attention Dial that back with Tua if you can. Like, even if you put up a better season with Tua than you do with Mahomes, don't, like, rub it in Mahomes' face or rub it in the defense's face. Just act like, yeah, this is who I am kind of thing. But I'm preaching to the choir at this point. Uh, the Seahawks, I'm going to move on. I'm going to just talk about for a minute. Like, the Seahawks, if you remember, uh, the 12th man used to be, like, the thing. The playoffs had to go through the 12th man. The Seahawks were the team and it was like piece by piece by piece by piece with Cam Chancellor's neck injury, all these different things like just like literally uh, Sherman traded, uh, you know, all the different little pieces. But like what happened, though? Like there's some of it that just kind of like, yeah, cap casualties and things like that. But even your like Russell Wilson should have retired in Seattle, period, hands down. I when I saw I'll never forget this summer, um, earlier like in this this actually it was no this was in the spring I'll never forget whenever we were I was doing DoorDash and I was uh, messaging one of my friends and then all of a sudden Russell Wilson popped up he's going to the Broncos and it's funny because a lot of my friends are in are Chiefs fans in my little fantasy football group and all that and they were like fuck yeah fuck because it's. One of those things that like I just really never seen coming. Like, who in the world thought that Russell Wilson was ever actually gonna leave? Like, I remember last year, whenever he's like, "Look, I want to stay in, in Seattle for forever," but here's a list of teams that I would go to. I thought he might go to um, because I didn't know how Dak Prescott was gonna shake out. I really thought that Dak was gonna end up in Seattle and he was gonna end up in Dallas. So to be traded to the Broncos for, I mean pennies on the dollar I feel like like it was you your franchise you're literally I mean there's been some great quarterbacks in Seattle but he's hands down the best quarterback that the Seattle Seahawks have ever had and to let him go just because he felt like he wasn't respected inside the organization and the, literally the whole thing crumbled how does that even happen and it's like Pete Carroll is he like even is he even, like, does he even have it anymore? Like, is his game too outdated, or does he just, like, I don't know. I don't I don't understand what's going on, but it's like, I feel like out of everybody in the NFL, he's living on past success more than anybody else, and I think he just might have a little bit too much power in Seattle, and it's just not going well. Um, we'll see. Um, but it really kind of, it it makes me happy to see Seattle falling down the totem pole because they were so high up in the ratings and they were dominating the NFC West for so long. Like Russell Wilson had the Niners number. He beat them like every single time it seemed like and just not just beat them like just dominated them. So I mean hats off to uh, whoever made that trade happen in Seattle organization because I I don't 
I watched Drew Locke play. I actually went to a couple games in Columbia, watched him play at, at Missouri. And uh, I promise you, he is not Russell Wilson. So, A.B.'s music career. Do your dance, A.B. Do your dance. Put that shit on. If you haven't seen the video, you got to. Because that dance, man, I'm telling you, I'll never do it. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to take off or not. Um, but that, that, that made that, I laughed the whole time. I, I watched it probably 10 times. Like, I, I like, you know, his music's all right. It's not like the music's not bad, but man, that, that dance, I had me rolling. I had to keep going back and watching it. Maybe that's what it was for. Like, I, I really do think that that's like the gimmick behind of all of it. You know, like he's a really attention grabber now. Um, but seriously though, like that dance is no bueno. I, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't see any, um, what, what's the right term? A grown man's not really the right term, but I, I can't see any, um, group of dudes doing that dance. Like, I wish it would have came up with a little bit of a better dance. It's like a salsa shake with some hand twerks or something. I don't, I don't even know. But AB, I wish you the best. I really wish you'd have just stuck in the NFL for you know whatever. Do you though, bro? Do you? But man, that dance, I I don't feel like that. <laughs> That's not it. Um, so I'm gonna take a second now, and I'm gonna go through. Um, I'm going to talk about a little of the uh, tight end draft order. Um, I have a little bit of a different uh, draft order than some other people do um, because I feel like there's certain things that are going to be a little bit out of order this year, a little bit out of the norm, um, just because of the toughness of the AFC um, and because of the difference, like the, the quarterback positions and situations. I really kind of thought about it and mapped it out. So I'm going to just go on ahead and just list it in order, and then I'll kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, so in order of tight ends in the draft order, I've got one Mark Andrews, two George Kittle, three Travis Kelsey, uh, four Darren Waller, five Kyle Pitts, six TJ Hawkinson, seven Tyler Higby, um, eight Mike Gusecki, nine Dalton Schultz, 10 Zach Ertz, 11 Hunter Henry, and 12 Noah Fant. Um, Noah Fant fell all the way to 12 because um, I don't even know if the Seahawks know who's throwing him the ball. That's a problem. Um, But when you look at things, and this may be kind of ironic that I put the Lamar Jackson topic at the beginning of the show, Lamar Jackson's got a lot to prove. And since they got rid of uh, his number, Hollywood, like who else is he going to be throwing the ball to every play? He throws the ball to him already almost every play. So as long as Mark Andrews stays healthy, that man should be getting the ball every time in the red zone, every time on the goal line, every time on third down. That they're like if, if they don't put two three people on him, I'll be surprised because that's gonna be his number one target. Kittle, um, Kittle and Kelsey, honestly, they're tied for second. Like I don't know how um, Lance is gonna use his tight ends. I'm hoping that he uses his checkdowns to Kittle a lot. Um, and Kelsey, I mean, got Mahomes throwing in the ball. So like they've they've always got that chemistry. So I feel like they're two and three, and honestly, they might be one and two. Um, and Mark Andrews, really, if I'm looking at the top three guys, those guys are all pretty even. Like if I if you get any one of those top three guys in fantasy football, Andrews, Kittle, or Kelsey, that's pretty safe picks. The only thing with Kittle is his injury history. 
Um, that's the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit because he plays so aggressive. He is such a baller, but that's what gets him his points, and I respect him for it. Um, you know, when you look at Waller, um, he's going to be open more than ever with Devontae. Um, Pitts, um, Pitts is just a monster. His athletic ability and looking like a receiver, those kind of things. And the rest, um, Hawkinson, Higby, and Schultz, I feel like are all pretty equal. Um, Schultz was used a lot. Higby was used a lot. Hawkinson would be used a lot. Um, Gusecki, I feel like he's going to be used a lot in Miami because Atua's just not really looking down the field a whole lot. And I feel like, um, with Waddle and with, um, Cheetah spreading the field out, he should be open quite a bit. Um, so, you know, those, those are any, if you get any of these guys, you're set. After that, it seems like a pretty big drop off and there might be, you know, a rookie come out of nowhere or whatever, but those are going to be the diamonds in the rough where it's literally going to be like rolling the dice. Um, you know, that, those are the guys that I'm going to look for. Um, but yeah, whenever it comes to tight ends, this, there's not really a whole lot. And sometimes those extra points from tight ends can help when if if you're just playing an offensive league, which most, I'd say probably 90% of the country, 95% of the country just plays offensive leagues. Um, I've got one where we do defensive positions also points for tackles, interceptions, sacks, things like that. Um, but if you're doing just an offensive league, if you don't have one of these top 12 tight ends, um, you've got to have monsters at every other position. Um, and that's just hands down going to be the guys that put up points. The guy that won last year in my fantasy football league, um, traded for Mark Andrews and it was a good trade at the time, but it ended up winning the league for him. So, uh, that's just, you know, whenever you're talking about tight ends, it just, those guys are just it. Those guys are the ones. So, um, I'm going to take this. We're kind of getting towards the end of the podcast here. Uh, I'm just going to go over a couple other things. Um, one of them that I'm going to get into is the draft recap. This is going to be part one of eight. Um, let's start with the NFC East. I'm just going to quickly run down a couple of the picks from each team and kind of give my rankings on which one I feel like is the best and who had the worst. I'm going to draw. I'm just going to kind of go over them in order. So, um, I'm going to start with Team 4, the one, uh, the Commanders. They had uh, Dotson. Um, they drafted uh, D-Tackle. They got uh, Sam Howell. They got him in the fifth round, which I think is a good value for the position. If they'd have drafted him in the first or second, I'd have been really disappointed. Uh, Howell could develop into a really a quality starter. Um, but whenever you look at just the, the rundown, I just, I'm not high on the Commanders just in general. Um, I, it's not that I don't like the command. I don't like their name that they chose. I thought they could have got something, a better pick, but I just, I feel like, um, McLaurin and Dotson will probably go good together. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those teams that I just, I feel like the, the commanders, I feel like they're going to end up getting, they're probably going to end up being team three or four by the end, whenever it's all said and done. Um, when you just look at their overall talent. Um, I feel like draft three was the Cowboys. I feel like they reached on a lot of positions. Um, they did get a couple players I really liked. I like Tolbert. Um, but you know, Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle, I feel like he could have been a second rounder. Um, it seemed like they just took people way early and the, some of the players that they got, um, I feel like they literally missed huge on other players. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I kind of feel like the Cowboys just really, there's going to be a couple different 
um, draft picks that they missed out on towards the end of the first round that they took uh, Tyler Smith over that I feel like they're going to really, 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 really regret, especially after some of the players that they lost to free agency. Um, draft two, uh, the, the draft ranking number two, I feel like is the Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau, I feel like he could have been a top pick. Um, I, I don't really understand um, how he fell to number five. Um, but I really do think that he's going to be somebody that his talents are going to transition really well to the pros. Um, and then Evan Neal getting him at pick seven. Those are really, really solid picks. Um, they had a really quality draft just literally from front to back. I like a lot of it. I think the way that with the, with the picks that they got, you know, they don't need to go, they've got, you know, Saquon, they just need their people that they already have to step up a little bit more and not get injured and play more consistent and have these people just kind of come in the gaps and learn and grow well. And I I will be really disappointed if that Thibodeau pick doesn't work out really well for them. I would have taken him, if I was picking in the top three, I probably would have taken him because I watching him play, I think just Oregon in general and playing in the Pac-10, I feel like that's what made him slip. Um, he didn't have a very good senior year, but I don't really think that Oregon had a very good year in general. So there's a lot of situations and conference and the school and things like that. I just don't really feel like they really had it rolling last year, just in general. And sometimes that happens. So how are you going to take somebody that if he'd have left the year before would have went in the top three and then he comes out and the year later and you're like, oh, no, I'm going to take him. I'm not taking him like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Um, and then I'm going to go to the Eagles because I feel like they had one of the best drafts of the whole entire year. Um, first off, whenever you can take draft picks that you're basically rolling the dice on these kids, like it's, I don't care who, what, when, where, right? You never know if they're going to ever amount to anything. But if, if you get, you know, kind of like the mentality of the Rams, fuck those picks because you don't know. Like, we're going to trade something that we don't know for something that we're positively sure on. And A.J. Brown, if you can trade <laughs> just a few picks, they, they traded picks 18 and 101 for A.J. Brown. A first round and a third round for A.J. Brown. There's the one pick one, the 18 and 101. Is that a fourth round? Whatever it is. Who gives a shit? It don't matter. They got A.J. Brown for two picks. That's a win all day, any way that you cut it. A.J. Brown, Debo, and McLaurin, they're all bosses. They're all like, you. if you could get those guys for a couple picks, do it. Because you know they're going to transition into your team and they're going to be able to play the NFL quality, the NFL style game. And whenever you look at just who he's going to be matched up with, who do you think that helps out the most? You think Devontae Smith wasn't, like, ecstatic and doing backflips and Jalen Hurts wasn't ecstatic and doing backflips? That's going to open up their whole offense. So I really do like the move that they traded. They traded picks 15, 124, and 162 to move up a couple spots and pick their guy, Jordan Davis. They they just – I mean, and not just that. They got a quality center in Jurgen, probably one of the best – in round two, and then in round three, what I think is this is probably the biggest slip of the entire draft to me. Nicobe Dean, whenever you watch Georgia play, was the guy that flashed all over the field. I mean, he was everywhere, all over the field making plays. Like, 
I, I just, whenever you look at their picks and the moves and things that they made, and they ended up getting A.J. Brown, Jordan Davis, and they got a quality center, and they got N'Kobe Dean, win, 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 win. That was like, and we'll look back on it, and we'll see how these players count out. N'Kobe Dean should have been a first-rounder, period. And um, we'll look back on it, and we'll see. Um but I really do feel like the Eagles won their draft out of the NFC East. And I really do hope that, um, you know, the Cowboys, the way that they... I don't, I don't know what's going on with the Cowboys organization. Oh, wait. Yeah, I do. It's Jerry World. You know, I've said how I like to end these episodes is kind of on a little bit of a serious note. Um things that affect the game outside the lines really normally impact the game inside the lines a lot more than you think. I can't count the number of great superstars and amazing athletes that we've seen tumble downhill before they hit their apex whenever it comes to addiction. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. If you know that it's a problem, and too much of anything is a problem. So if you've got something that you know is dragging your life down, before it makes you tumble all the way to the bottom, get some help. And there's a number, uh, let me see, 1-800-662-4357. Call and get some help. Everybody knows somebody's struggling with something. And if you're one of those people that, whether it be drugs, whether it be gambling, whether it be um, any kind of addiction that you've got going on, it's... It's fixable. Get some help. Don't be stubborn and let some problem that you know you can get fixed ruin your life because it's not as serious as you think until it's too late. If you can fix it, even if you feel like it may be too late and you're like, you know what, fuck it, I don't care. Reach out and get some help and see if there's something that somebody can do for you. Again, that number one more time was one 800 662 Four three five seven. Man, thanks for tuning in today's episode of the Land of Six. We've got a bunch of stuff coming in on next episode. We'll just kind of do a quick rundown. We're going to be talking about the wide receiver fantasy rankings, which is going to be fucking exciting. I'm great. I'm really excited to talk about that. We've got the NFL draft rankings for the AFC East from this year. We've got a lot of training camp news. We've got some things we're going to talk about with the Honey Badger and a lot more. Until next time, journey with me to Land of Six coming up on episode three. Let's go.